we'll be looking at the final verses of uh, chapter 29 of Deuteronomy in a moment and going on into chapter 30. A few points I just wanted to bring to your attention on this one on one world religion. Former British Prime Minister Tony Blair has announced the launch of a global short film competition with the aim of promoting interfaith dialogue. In an exclusive interview with Gulf Times, Blair said that the aim of the initiative was to bring young people of different faiths together and allow them to present a positive picture of their religion to the rest of the world. There is often huge misrepresentation and wrong thinking about what Islam means. Now you must remember he's doing this to the Gulf Times. He added, I think therefore that it will be particularly interesting to present to a Western audience that this is actually what my faith means to me. This is the Muslim perspective. And correct some of the misapprehensions and misunderstandings around faith. The competition has been organised by the Tony Blair Faith Foundation and is one of the numerous programmes to have been introduced with the aim of promoting interfaith dialogue. And of course our friend Rick Warren is involved with Tony Blair's foundation. Another point uh, dealing with the Roman Catholic Church in the last days, Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Bertone celebrated Mass at the Cathedral of Santiago and officially presented a statue of Our Lady of Carmel as a gift from Pope Benedict to the people of Chile. The pilgrim statue will travel to the various cities in the country that were affected by the February earthquake. The Vicar General for Ministry in Santiago and the National Coordinator of the Continental Mission, Monsignor Christian Precht, remarked that this statue will accompany us in our sorrow. Mothers can always identify with sorrow. Thanks be to God but it is also here to renew us in our faith. Father Carlos Cox, who is the rector of the Shrine of Maipu and will coordinate the pilgrim statues tour throughout the country, added, the most important aspect of this statue is that it brings, it brings us close to Jesus, who encourages us and helps us with what is essential in the continental mission which is the encounter with the living Christ now how this statue being traipsed around Chile will do that is anybody's guess meanwhile Pope Benedict gave a golden rose to Our Lady of Ta Pinu today that's in Malta and he invited the Maltese to pray to her as the queen of the family. After presiding at Sunday Mass in the Granaries Square in Floriana and before praying the Regina Kailai, 
the Pope affirmed the particular devotion of the Maltese people to the Mother of God, expressed with great fervour to Our Lady of Taupinu. And so I am pleased to have the opportunity to pray before her image, brought here specially from Gozo for this occasion. The Holy Father asked that the Maltese pray to Mary under the title Queen of the Family, a title added to the litany of Loretto by my beloved predecessor Pope John Paul II, himself on more than one occasion a visitor to these shores. Now these golden roses, it's a papal decoration conferred on prominent Catholic personalities. It's gone through a significant evolution. Initially kings and dignitaries received it. Later it was conferred almost exclusively on queens and more recently on Our Lady. The distinction was created by Pope Leo IX in 1049. People keep going back to, to, to look at these early fathers and things. This is what they were up to. In more recent times, after the Second Vatican Council, the papal decoration has become almost exclusively a gift from popes to Our Lady. How do they think these things up? It just amazes me. But here's, here's something really quite amazing. In Portland, Oregon, the noted atheist Christopher Hitchens, we've all heard of him, he laid down some seriously good theology. Most people recognize Hitchens as the author of the best-selling book, God is Not Great, Why Religion Poisons Everything. In Portland, he was interviewed by a Unitarian minister, Marilyn Selwell. And this is the exchange that happened at the start of the interview. Marilyn Selwell, she asked the question, the religion you cite in your book is generally fundamentalist faith of various kinds. I'm a liberal Christian and I don't take the stories from the scripture literally. I don't believe in the doctrine of atonement, that Jesus died for our sins, for example. Do you make any distinction between fundamentalist faith and liberal religion? And here's what Hitchens answered. I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ and Messiah and that he rose again from the dead and by his sacrifice our sins are forgiven, you're really not in any meaningful sense a Christian. She didn't like that. She says, uh, let, the next thing she said, let me go someplace else. She closed that particular line of questioning. It demonstrates an important point, nevertheless. Religious God talk. You can call yourself anything you like, but if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins and then rose again from the dead, you are, as Hitchin said, in any you are not, as Hitchin said, in any meaningful sense, a Christian. It's amazing that somebody like Hitchens can understand one of the central tenets of Christianity better than many Christians do. 
what you believe about Jesus Christ does make a difference. We look around the world and see so many people in the emerging church, those people like Steve Chalk and his Faith Works movement, the, the Dean of St. Albans and other church leaders denying the substitutionary death of Christ. And these people pass for Bible-believing Christians, yet deny the power of God and the central tenets of the faith. And strangely, they are accepted by so many people as being orthodox and given access to many pulpits. So, those things are interesting. Let us go on to Deuteronomy chapter 29 and uh, verse 29. We'll just read a few verses. We'll read some uh, other bits later. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessings and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice, according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart, and with all thy soul that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the uttermost parts of heaven uh, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into a land which thy fathers possessed. And thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. You know, it's an interesting chapter. If you read through chapter 30, the various, it's, it's, it's a lovely chapter, really. Heart is mentioned about six times. Love is mentioned. To do good is mentioned. He, the Lord will gather thee. He'll fetch thee. And it says that thou mayest live about three times. And you look through and you'll see all the number of times that God will do something and shall do something. We look at those in a moment, but it's a lovely chapter. After the curses on chapter 29, look at what it says. These people will, <coughs> will, be, will go into to sin and the world around them, all the nations shall say, in verse 24 of 29... Wherefore hath the Lord done thus unto this land? What meaneth the heat of his great anger? Then men shall say, Because they have forsaken the covenant 
of the Lord their God, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. People will know. People will know. How did the Israel sink so low into sin? I was just reading uh, just earlier this morning. Look at Psalm 106. How did, how, surely they didn't sink to the depths that we have in these, uh, where the curses on them if they failed. Just look at Psalm 106. Look at verse 28. They joined themselves unto Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Look on to verse 27, 37. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a whoring with their own inventions. Their own inventions. We see all these inventions that we see in churches today. Where they've drifted away from the truths of the gospel. These people, the, the children of Israel, shed, they, they sacrificed their own children on sacrifices to pagan heathen gods. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. Incredible. He had brought them forth, he had redeemed them out of the land of Egypt, he had led them through the wilderness, wilderness for 40 years. Yet, when they saw all these wonderful miracles that he did, the defeat of Pharaoh, the parting of the Red Sea, being able to cross the Jordan, the defeats of Jericho, the defeats of the kings. He had given them a land flowing with milk and honey. And yet, read through Psalm 106. He abhorred his own inheritance. What a terrible situation. We read these curses for disobedience and betrayal of their God. It's obvious as we look around and see what's happening in churches and throughout the world today. The dangerous state before God that many people are standing in. They've wandered away from the truth. You would never have believed it by reading through what happened to the children of Israel. They were given this land of milk and honey. How low they had gone away from God, offering their own sons and daughters for sacrifices. We were just reading about the Pope giving uh, golden roses to a statue. And these people are considered by many to be part of the Christian church. It's incredible. Ecumenical services up and down the country. And people are there giving statues to be carried around Chile 
in honour of the mother of the family. Look what God says about the church in Laodicea. He said, I will spew it out of my mouth. Many times in Revelation, in the letters to the churches, we know God says, I know thy works. I know thy works. May our works be known to God for our adherence to the word of God and not on some diversion of man's ideas of what God wants. It's a warning to us all. A warning to us all. And then we come to verse 29. This is an interesting verse of chapter 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. There were obviously many secret things unknown to Israel. But you know, a lot of these things have been revealed to us in later times. The mysteries of the church, unknown to anybody in the Old Testament. And many of the other truths revealed in the New Testament. This verse has been used as a reason for not inquiring into many things revealed in the New Testament. People say, oh well, the secret things of God are hidden. I was reading uh, in Second Peter uh, 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. This was something which was being revealed in the New Testament, which was hidden in the Old Testament. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless we, according to his promise, God has given us so many promises. And if we read this chapter 30, we'll see an awful lot of promises that God has declared in this chapter. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Paul was one who was the, 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 the one through whom a lot was revealed. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, 
which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Paul wrote things which were, uh, Peter and others say, were difficult to understand. But it shouldn't give us any reason why we shouldn't investigate and learn through the scriptures what God has in store for each one of us. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. The more we study the scripture, the more we understand the scripture, the less chance we have of being led away with error. It says, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter here, speaking of hidden things which had been revealed through divine revelation by the apostles, and in particular, probably, the Apostle Paul and John. We must learn to seek to understand these truths which have been revealed. We've all heard in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, we've all heard this quite often, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I hath not seen nor ear heard. So often people repeat this text and finish it there. Don't they? But listen, read on. It says, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? A man, in his natural sense, only knows the things of natural man. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We have to understand God's word is a spiritual experience, reading it. And we compare spiritual things with spiritual things from his word. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Oh, so often we come across this. Why can natural man not understand something which you're explaining to? Because 
they don't have the Spirit of God within them to reveal it to them. Natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We are in a wonderfully privileged position. Why? But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Listen to this. But we have the mind of Christ. Christ has placed his Holy Spirit into us. And we should judge things through the mind of Christ. Through the knowledge which we have as Christians, which the knowledge, through the knowledge which we receive by reading his word and studying his word, which will increase our steadfastness in the faith, Peter said. But a word of warning, we do not teach a continuous revelation. The canon of scripture is complete. All that God requires that we should know has been given. Beware of those who would add their own personal additions to the word of God. 1 John 2.20 But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know I have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie is of the truth. And so we move on to uh, chapter 30. As I say, this is a, a, a lovely chapter. And we see in these verses some of those secret things being revealed as to the future of Israel. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee. the blessings and the curse which I have set before thee and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee. And it goes and sets out in the first six verses so many wonderful blessings which will come upon the children of Israel. Thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. Thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul that the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven to the uttermost parts of, the, of heaven that means throughout the world the different phrases used in scripture uh, the four corners of the earth and phrases like that it means the, the north, south, east and west from thence the Lord will gather thee and from thence will he fetch thee the Lord will bring thee into a land which thy fathers possessed thou shalt possess it and he will do thee good and multiply thee above all thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart 
and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Look at Romans 11 just as a kind of comparison to what uh, this, this says. Verse 25. I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Another thing that Paul was revealing, a mystery. Something which was hidden and now been revealed. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins as concerning the gospel they are enemies for your sakes but as touching the election they are beloved for the father's sakes for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Any the promises given to Israel throughout his word are without repentance as far as God is concerned. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. The deliverer will come out of Zion in verse 26, they shall come out of Zion. The, the proper translation there, I believe, should be, the deliverer, there shall come for the sake of Zion, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For the sake of Israel, God will restore them. The liver will come to Zion, out of which he will subsequently send the rod of his power for the full deliverance of his people. The day that he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob and place him forever under this new covenant. And look what it says in verse 1. The Lord, it says shall bring to mind to the elect the, the godly remnant of Israel God shall bring to mind we used to say uh, up in Northern Ireland the, do you mind? do you remind that? do you remember? God will bring to remembrance all the blessings which he had done for them and they will return to God thou shalt return to God. You know, when, when our Lord came the first time, there was a godly group of people throughout Israel who were expecting the Messiah. We had people like Simeon and Anna. They, they were expecting. Simeon had been told by the Spirit of God that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's anointed. There were people throughout Israel who were expectant of the coming Messiah. Anna. The Apostles. You know, come and see. 
uh, we found the Christ, Nathaniel, come and see. And even the woman at the well of Sychar, when God, when Jesus spoke to her, she says, come and see a man who's told me all things. Is not this the Christ? There were people throughout Israel who were expecting the Christ. And there will be. There will be a returning to the God of the elect. The Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed. At when this was written, they hadn't even entered the land the first time. They hadn't gone into the promised land. And here's a promise that they will go again into this land when God brings them back and restores Israel in the coming days yet to take place. And then it goes on to say, The Lord will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live this was a second and final occupation of the land that they were looking forward to. And this circumcised the heart. We shall see that God would circumcise their hearts. Look at Colossians 2.11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This is true circumcision that the Jewish nation would undergo. Not a circumcision, not a fleshly circumcision. This was a type of true circumcision. This was a turning their back on the sins committed against that God. And we read those in the horrible sins in, in, in 100 and Psalm 106. Committed against that God. And they will turn to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and that they will live for him. Israel will return to the land. Look at Isaiah chapter 11. It says it's going to be a kingdom of peace. Verse 10. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush and from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. A wonderful event. We, should, we can see it beginning even in this day.
he's going to circumcise their hearts. This turning away from sin. May we also learn from these lessons in the Old Testament to turn our backs on the world and all of its sinful attractions and learn day by day to love our blessed Lord and Saviour. Here from the world we turn, Jesus to seek. Here may his loving voice tenderly speak. Jesus, our dearest friend, while at thy feet we bend, O let thy smile descend, tis thee we seek. Saviour, thy work revive, here may we see those who are dead in sin, quickened by thee. Come to our heart's delight, make every burden light, cheer thou the waiting sight, we long for thee.